0: Open your Bibles, please. Jeremiah 29. I'm going to be using this as a springboard this morning as I share with you how uh, God has been working. I'd like for us to be careful as we study this chapter because there's a promise in this verse which has been... There's a verse in this text, a promise which has been taken out of context and abused. And I'd like to deal with that as you and I face the reality of difficult times in our lives. I appreciate the transparency of my sister who shared her breakdown. How many of you have gone through that? Uh, Some of you have faced death in the face. Some of us are grieving the loss of our spouse. Uh, Some of us are trying to survive a divorce. And uh, in the culture in which we live, I am from Wisconsin, so I can talk about us Wisconsinites. Uh, We we wear masks, and we're good at it. Yeah! (laughs) Especially us men. We're hurting for certain, but we're not going to admit it. Jeremiah 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving, catch that word, to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It came in three waves. Babylonia came into Jerusalem three different times, and they took away the best of the best. They took away young men from their parents, and these young men would never see their family again. Kids like Daniel, they took him off. Young ladies, beautiful young ladies, they took them off and forced them into harems. They came three times, and they took the best of the best and took them away into exile and abused them for their own profit. Jump with me back down to verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel, says to all those I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice it's God that says, I have carried them into exile. Whoa. Whoa. Build houses and settle down. How many of you were told as kids, "Oh, just settle down, will you, huh? my dear Jimmy? Settle down." God told people, "Settle down. Keep calm. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters." Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increased in the number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it, the city, prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, that's a long time, 70 years. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I, this is God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and place where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile." Father, we thank you for the privilege it is for us today to have your living word. We thank you, Father, for my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your children, the body of Christ, the living body of Christ. And Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I ask that you would help him to teach us and to enlighten us, empower me to speak with clarity and authority, and help us to learn to choose hope, to thrive in this time of our lives instead of just survive. Father, I thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Seventy years in exile, they needed hope. How are you doing this morning? We're going to study about hope. We're going to try to learn from the way Daniel and his colleagues behaved themselves and try to bring it into real time. And Cheryl and I, through I'm the spokesperson this morning, are going to share with you how God has helped us over the past seven years. The past seven years of our life have been the hardest seven years serving God. In heathen Uruguay, known as the cemetery, the missionary cemetery, because it's so hard. We've learned and we've enjoyed it. We really have. God arranges suffering in our lives to change us, to get our attention. And uh, you have some bulletin inserts here. You might want to follow along if you'd like. It might help you from not sleeping. It might help you. Uh, For those of you that know me, you know that I am learning disabled, and so I use acronyms a lot. Um, I have edited the the Roman numeral number two. It's CIA instead of IAC. CIA. Cheryl and I have family members in the CIA. But we won't go there right now. But please remember CIA. The C is community. Folks, the choice is yours. Are you on staff here at the church? Yeah. Who's the one that arranged this past member care thing? Uh, Mike. Mike. Where's Mike? Hi, Mike. Okay. Good morning, Mike. I would like to plead with you in Jesus' name to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this member care thing. We need each other. Cheryl and I learned we needed community to thrive, not just survive. We need more than just Sunday morning. Sunday morning is great, but we need small groups. One of the reasons that um, I believe God prospered our mission's effort in Uruguay is because we worked as a team, a group of missionaries and Uruguayans. We worked together as a team Some churches have cell groups or small groups. I don't know what all you have, but I'd like to ask you to please, please, please choose to get involved. The day is going to come when you are going to need four people to pick up your stretcher and carry you out on the stretcher. It's going to happen. Question, who are your four stretcher bearers? When our sister had her breakdown, she needed some stretcher bearers to come along and help her. And you were one of them praying for her. We need to develop relationships ahead of time because it's going to happen. The Word of God is full of passages how we on the one another's. We're not going to get into them this morning. Us, even it says, neglect not the assembling of yourselves. To thrive... In the time of, of suffering, the sea is what? Community. Call it church. But when I say church, I mean the body of Christ, not, not just Sunday morning. Am I explaining myself? Please take the initiative to do it. it. It might feel uneasy, you're gonna take some risks, but it's gonna be worth it. The I is identity. During the exile, the children of Israel refused to give up their identity. Daniel refused to give up his identity. As Cheryl and I went to Uruguay, they wanted to make us like them. One thing I have found very helpful in, in my walk with the Lord is my identity in Christ. For those of you that know Spanish, the word is asi. A-S-I. You ready? A. I am accepted in Christ. I'm not only accepted, I've been adopted. In Christ, I am accepted. So I no longer have to perform to try to earn God's love. I don't need to follow someone's expectations to be accepted because you know what? I'm already accepted and I don't need to be accepted by the the influential group at school. Because I know in Christ I am accepted. A.S. I am secure. I am so secure that I am in Christ's hand, and Christ is in God's hand, and God has promised me that no one's going to pluck me out of his hand, his plural hand, and he's also promised he's never going to throw me out. I'm secure. Yes! I'm, I have an identity in Christ. I'm accepted. I'm secure. What's, and then what's the other letter? Whether you believe it or not, you have been commissioned as an ambassador for Christ. You are important because you're God's child. God has called you to be his own. He has accepted you. He has made you secure. He, you are important. If all you get out of the sermon this morning is your identity in Christ, go ahead and go to sleep. Because that will change you. It changed my life. I'll tell you why. Because as a child, I struggled with... A very low self-esteem, and even through these, even today, before I came up here, I was nervous. Do you, you know that? Did you know that? Pastor gets nervous before he preaches. That's good. It's good, because we realize we can't do it. We have to remember our identity in Christ. Okay. <sighs> What's the the CIA? Right? C is Amen. A. Thank you. I, identity. Okay. Now this last one. Could you toss me my keys before I forgive them? Because I am notorious for losing my keys. Ask my wife. I lost a pair yesterday. <laughs> Let this mind be in, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. The one word is, ready? Attitude. This comes from God's Word. Ephesians 4 and Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit of God is working in us to change our attitudes. This is not a psychic psycho counseling course. This is God's word. Your attitude. Cheryl and I lived in a depressed society. Uh, Uruguay tops the list of suicides on the Western Hemisphere. Very depressed society. And I had a sign over the top of my desk, and it says, Attitude is everything. And then I've got the Bible verses. I choose joy. I touched on being nervous. There's a dynamic tension between fear and faith. I could go through a whole list of, of Bible illustrations, but I'm just going to use one. Here is Jesus dragging the cross. Oh, Father, if this cup could pass from me, I'll do it. But he was afraid. But, Father, your will be done. <laughs> Through my life, there has been a dynamic tension of fear and faith as I follow the Lord. Be prepared to face fear. That is why when God asks us to do things, he says, Fear not. I'm with you. If you study the context, God was asking that person to do something challenging. Challenging. Your attitude. Yes, I, I realize I'm afraid, but I'm going to trust. I want to have faith. One's attitude. <clears throat> My dear wife really struggled, first few years in Uruguay. But the Lord helped her to develop a discipline. She continues it to this day. Every morning during her devotions, she writes down three things for which she is thankful. An attitude of gratitude. What is sobering, if you study Romans 1, the verses before it gets to, and God gave them over to, reprobate mind, what the very first dynamo is, that starts the whole process. Lack of thankfulness. Whoa! Lack of thankfulness. Cheryl and I had the thrill of, of doing Thanksgiving dinners. We lived in an atmosphere of. Well, we went to Uruguay with with Communal Global. They asked us to go to start a new field. Talk about being afraid. <laughs> Atheists. They would actually get angry with you when you said thank you. You'd say, "I'm just guys. I favor. oh please." Th- th- they didn't want you to say thank you. That's how bad it was. So we used American holidays as a foot in the door. Every year, one year we even had five Thanksgiving dinners. As my brother would say, my brother's with the Lord. He'd say, "Oh, dumb, dumb, dumb." <laughs> but, but the reason we did five is because within our within our community, it was called the way community. The way is the name of our church. Met in our home, we had basically five families. So what we did was we had one dinner just for the first family and all their extended family. Brought them all into our apartment, and then a couple days later, we had the second family. Brought all their own in from them. And we would explain about we would explain like to explain to you, the American culture. In the United States, we say thank you to God. We could say it because we were talking about those guys in the United States, and they would they would accept that. And at the very we would ask them to say what they were thankful for. God used it, and at the very end, I would do a little light devotional. Say, I am thankful for forgiveness. Is that kind of a seed? As Uruguayans visited the United States, they would come back and they'd say, I can't believe the number of times they always say, please and thank you. It's unbelievable. Please don't lose that, but do it from your heart. Okay? Attitude is everything. There's a dynamic tension between fear and faith. We need to develop an an attitude of gratitude. Hope is not built on something from the past. Yes, I am very thankful for God's faithfulness, but hope is built on something future in the future. Paul says, forget, forget what's behind. And focus on the race and look towards the high calling of Christ Jesus. Look to the future. I'm here this morning to challenge you to take your eyes off the past and even off of the present and look to the future. That is why the rapture of the church is called the Blessed Hope. It gives us hope. Perhaps today. Yeah. During the Sandinista War in Nicaragua, where the Sandinistas were overthrowing the Somosistas in the 70s, 80s, 80s, the evangelical pastors had to go to the police station on Friday and submit their sermons. They were not allowed to talk about the rapture or heaven because the Sandinista government said, because it gives the people hope. Eh? Eh, what do you think about that one? Please, please, please be thinking of the future. Our hope is based on the future. What I find so exciting is during the years of exile, when Israel was in exile, there were prophets such as, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, that made prophecies which have not been fulfilled yet. Jesus is coming, and God has prepared for us a brilliant future in heaven. When is the last time you actually really studied about heaven? A few years ago, Randy Elkhorn wrote a big, huge, fat book about heaven. It was interesting. You and I have a choice. Are we going to have a bad attitude? Or are we going to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and have a good attitude? I'd like for us to go back in Scripture to um, after the exile was over And there's a hymn, I looked in your hymnal, it is so old, it's not even in your hymnal. And there's a hymn that I used to sing when I was a kid, especially on Sunday nights. And verse 3 of this hymn would go... Going forth with weeping, sowing for the master, though the loss sustained our spirits often grieved. When our weeping's over, we will, he will bid us welcome. We shall bring, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Yeah. Do you know what that comes out of? It comes out of Psalm 126. Psalm 126 is what the people of Israel sang as they ascended the stairs of the temple. And they sang, when Jehovah brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. How he laughed and sang for joy. And the other nations were said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, glorious things. What wonder, what joy. May we be refreshed by the streams in the desert. Those who sow tears shall reap joy. Yes, they will go out weeping, carrying seeds for sowing, and returning singing, carrying their sheaves. Yes! that happened. God says, I have a plan for you. I have a future with hope. And that was fulfilled. Cheryl and I have moved from Uruguay. And we're in transition, which is a joyful experience. <laughs> like not, We're heading towards Guatemala. Years ago, when Cheryl and I were rookies, that was like 40 years ago, we thought, let's, let's see... Very carnal, excuse me, for taking off the mask. Let's see how many churches we can plant from nothing. That's before itch. Eh? That's itch, that's before scratch. Oh, anyway. And after a while, we saw God starting churches. And then we thought, let's see how many church planters we can train. So we recruited people to go with us and trained them. It has come a time in our, in our career where we've been asked to mentor Latins who can go into places where you and I can't go because we have a passport from the USA. Let me back up a little bit. When we first went to Uruguay, we went with three hats, okay? The first hat was that of a peacemaker. A what? A peacemaker. Uruguay is not closed, but is very resistant You can be a missionary, and you're going for only four years, and you've got to get out. The Lord allowed us to be creative, and we qualified for another ranking for citizenship. See, we were there for seven years. Our mission asked us to go for five years. We were there for seven years. We went as a peacemaker because we were working with the very wealthy people in the nicest upscale neighborhood of the entire country to start a church. And it is against you. It's four strikes against you if they find out you're a missionary. So we had to go in undercover as a peacemaker. You ever heard of peacemakers? You can look it up, peacemaker.net, and get all about it. So I actually had international credentials as a peacemaker. So we went in, offered services of mediation, helping couples with their marriages, doing a lot of workshops, conferences, got open many doors. We ended up spending more time in Argentina, Uruguay. Uruguay is a population of three and a half million in the entire country. The capital city is only just over one million. It's very small. We went in as peacemakers so we could start a church. The as as second hat would be that of a church planter. And guess what? He did it. <laughs> God started a church in our apartment. We met on, ready for this one? We met on Thursday nights because everybody was gone on the weekends, these wealthy people left the city and went to their vacation houses in the summertime. So we met on Thursday nights. They started coming at seven, and we'd be kind of cleaning up about midnight. Uh, We had church for like four hours. Chuck Swindoll said that there are four basic purposes of a church, acronym WIFE, he's not LD though, WIFE. Worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism. And we did all of those every Thursday night. After seven years, we saw only seven people trusting Christ. There are some people still in process. We say only seven just because years ago when we went to a city called Pachuca, Mexico, for the first two years, we saw sixty-six-zero people trusting Christ. So after seven years, we saw God start a church. When... Within Camino Global, used to be called the Central American Mission with C.I. Schofield, some history, we always start churches in, from the very beginning, explain the Great Commission. You ready for this? The El Camino community has already sent out their first missionary couple. To God be the glory. Uruguayans who have left Uruguay, they're in Mexico. As and I reflect back over the other churches that we saw God start. There are missionaries who have been sent out from those churches. Okay, the three hats. First one was a peacemaker. Second one was a church planter. The third one was that of a mentor. Uh, Sheldon, because of her age, um, I'm 65. In two weeks, I'll be 66. But my wife is younger, much younger than I am. (laughs) We, because of our age, have turned out, to be, and also lack of uh, competition, have become the old, the old veterans. So, so a lot of the younger missionaries from the United States and other countries would come to us for help. And we also saw something else happening, which knocked our socks off. Remember that, those two little pictures for every one candidate out of the United States and Canada? How many out of Latin America? Four. Oh. We have dear, precious couples from Uruguay and Argentina coming to us asking us, "Please mentor us." So we, we started doing that. And the more we did it, the more couples would come out of the woodwork saying, "We're, we're, go- we're going. We are going is. Guess where they're going. I can't hear you to the Muslims. Those of us in the States run and the dear Latins go. And yeah, they they know it, it could mean their head, but that's okay. We know where we know where we're going. We <clears throat> fast. What has happened is the heart of Christianity has been shifted from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere from Europe from the United States down to the Latin to Latin America India Africa the mission field has now become the missionary force and the latin missionary force has three major issues number 1 is finances number 2 is pastoral care mentoring number 3 is conflict reconciliation and Cheryl and I have been asked to, to leave the southern cone of South America because Camino Global has just started down there. Camino Global has been up in Central America and Mexico for one hundred and twenty-five years. And it's growing. And they're sending out missionaries. <clears throat> Camino Global has two offices, one in Dallas, Texas, one in <clears throat> excuse me. Guatemala. Camino Global is sending out missionaries from the United States and Latin America simultaneously. When we opened the offices in Guatemala, we kind of stood there with our little tea cloth ready for the grand opening. We were hit by a tsunami. 77 either couples or individuals have applied to go out into the Muslim world with Camino Global. And so Camino said, Jim and Cheryl, get up here now. (laughs) So we are moving back up to... To, to Central America, to Guatemala, where we've never lived, but God has already led the way. It's it's obvious He wants us there. We could go into a lot of details. Let's come. Let's let's come back to your life. How, how's it really going? You might say fine. Do you know of? a family member or a dear friend of yours that's suffering right now that you could go and encourage? The people of Israel used the CIA. What was that? Remember what that was? C was? I was? A was? You have a toolbox. It's ready to go to go help your friends. If you need help, please ask for help. The the spiritual caregivers of this church still lack omniscience. They don't know unless you tell them. That's why in James it says, if you have a problem, please go. Go tell the elders. Please ask for help. Please. You have a choice. Some of you are here this morning kind of sitting on the fence, not sure about this Christian stuff, this Christ stuff. I'd like to ask you to choose to deposit, to, to gather all of your faith, all of your hope, all of your confidence in one big bundle and put it all of it in and only in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And admit to God, you've, you've rebelled, ask for forgiveness, Ask Him to forgive you and to accept your new identity in Christ. Remember what that one was? A C, A-S-I. What was it? Accepted, thank you. A-S, secure. And the I-S is important. Okay. Interesting Bible study downstairs in Sunday school this morning. It's like a carbon copy of what we're talking about right now when i was a kid another famous hymn was trust and obey yeah it's your choice to choose to obey even when no one's watching i'd like to read a prayer for you and it's right there in your bulletin and this is my closing pr- no it's not it's it's the text is but the verses aren't but i will read you the verses i would like to in closing i'm going to pray for you reading romans 15:13 I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.